Welcome to Off the Cuff with Congressman Jared Huffman. As a representative for California's 2nd Congressional District, Off the Cuff is my opportunity to talk with you about important issues and to introduce you to interesting people from the 2nd District and beyond. It's unfiltered, it's direct, and it's honest. It's Off the Cuff with me, Congressman Jared Huffman. Welcome back, everyone, to Off the Cuff, our podcast. I'm Congressman Jared Huffman, and over the past year or so, we've had any number of interesting conversations on this podcast. We have talked with fellow members of Congress, we've talked with environmental leaders, and we've covered every subject you can think of, but we've never had a podcast focused on cheese. Today, we're going to do that. And one of the very cool things about my district that people may not appreciate is that we have some of the most famous cheeses, artisanal cheeses in the world. And the leaders in the industry who have brought these cheeses to market, uh, in many cases, are women. I think that's really cool. And we've got two of them with us today on the podcast. I'm joined by Sue Conley of Cowgirl Creamery and Mary Keene of Cypress Grove Creamery. Another cool thing about uh, these two ladies is that they uh, cover both ends of my district. Cypress Grove is in Humboldt County in the north, and Cowgirl is in Marin County uh, at the southern end of my district. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Great you. Great to be here, Jared. So I want to hear from both of you, but let's start with Sue. Uh, Sue, you have won uh, the James Beard Award for your contributions to the food industry. I think that is... Uh, kind of like the Academy Awards of, of cheese, as, as far as I can tell. Uh, tell me a little bit about how it all got started for you. Well, I'm in, uh, I'm in partnership with Peggy Smith, who was a chef at Chez Panisse in Berkeley, very uh, innovative and important restaurant, and she worked there for 17 years. And I uh, had my own restaurant in Berkeley with a set of partners um, called Betty's Ocean View Diner. So we were part of that renaissance of, or maybe not a renaissance, but a uh, the beginning of great cooking in California and sourcing organic and local and delicious ingredients. So that's how we started. And then uh, I met the Strauss family when I moved to Point Reyes, and that changed my life. They were making beautiful organic milk and that is the thing that is the essence of great cheese all right mary how about you you've got uh, a very famous cheese uh, humboldt fog happens to be one of my very favorites and you've won way too many awards to count including gold at the world cheese awards how did you get into this business well i've been involved a little longer than sue i started um in the 70s as a back-to-the-lander um, single mom, and I wanted healthy milk for my children, so I, um, I caught a wild goat, and one thing led to another, and I had an interest in genetics and started breeding really nice goats, and that led to having too much milk. And, of course, being a back-to-the-lander, you want to uh, not waste anything. So I started making cheese for the family and friends, and pretty soon we had a whole company built around that. Right, and I find it interesting that each of you has uh, featured 
landmarks uh, in this beautiful North Coast area, uh, and you've named cheeses after it. Uh, we've got Mount Tamalpais at Cowgirl, and of course your Humboldt Fog at Cypress Grove. Uh, tell me a little bit about how this region has figured into your artisanal cheese making. Well, Humboldt County is, you know, as you know, very rural, and we are second only to London for foggy days. I think we had an airport built here to train fighter pilots during World War II. But for me, um, what I found is we didn't want to produce uh, copies of French cheeses in the goat world. So we wanted cheeses that really expressed where we live and, you know, brought some sense of the local terroir to our community and some pride in our community, too. Yeah, um, you know, that's a tradition in in Europe to name the cheeses after a place or a saint. So we do have a St. Pat cheese, and then we have several place names. Um, and our cheeses are a reflection of the beautiful milk. So we buy from Strauss for most of our cheese, but then uh, the Tresh Dairy, which is uh, in near Petaluma, for our aged cheeses and John Taylor, John and Karen Taylor in Point Reyes for Red Hawk and for fresh cheese. So the milk is specific to the outcome that we're looking for in a specific cheese. Yeah. Um, Mary, I want to ask you about Humboldt Fog because uh, I, I don't want to uh, in any way disparage goat cheese, but one of the things I like so much about Humboldt Fog is it doesn't taste like a goat cheese. It's really distinctive. How did you come up with this, and uh, what, uh, what what is the secret to making a goat cheese that really tastes totally different than most goat cheese? Well, the secret to make any great cheese is great milk, as Sue's been talking about, and Really, um, our cheeses are a reflection of the milk. They always are. And so if your animals are super healthy, then they have much more clean-tasting milk and how you handle the milk. So we pay our farms based on butterfat, protein, and milk cleanliness. And so it's that milk cleanliness that gives you a really nice fresh, clean-tasting cheese. And, you know, if you put your money where your mouth is and, and really reward the farmer for that good milk, um, you're much more apt to get it. And Humboldt Fog actually came to me in a dream. I was coming back from my very first trip to France, and my head was full of just all these great cheeses. And I woke up, I had had this visual of a cheese, and it was Humboldt Fog. And I went home and kept trying until I was able to make it. And um, we just had a couple forms, and we played around with it until we felt like we had a cheese that was really a winner. And wow. it's, it's really been very successful. It is a winner. Um, Sue, what, what inspires you to innovate and come up with new cheeses, and how do you know when you've got a winner? It takes a long time to develop a cheese, and uh, so we've got a winner in the pipeline called <laughs> Hopalong, which is a 
it's washed with apple cider and uh it's a a firm paste cheese that's aged for just about two months so um you know we're always looking for what's missing in the market and then what we have in our area to uh play with so you know apple cider is such a great local ingredient and um we're using the milk from the trash dairy for that one because it's it's uh, the cows are fed a diet that doesn't include uh, silage, which is a pickled alfalfa, which mm-hmm. is a wonderful nutritious food for the animals. But if in an aged cheese, it'll make them gas and blow up. So you know it's okay for our our young Mount Tam. Um, it's fine and actually, you know, maybe add something to it. But in an aged cheese, it's better not to have that. So, you know, we're, we're working with all of these elements. And um, we, we're also developing uh, or we're relaunching our fresh cheese because we stopped making that because we we didn't have enough waste treatment capacity for the whey and the wash water. Uh, but now with our new creamery, we can do that. So we're, we have our cottage cheese and fromage blanc and creme fraiche relaunching this month. We're also um, launching our fromage blanc in a retail size. It's primarily been a chef uh, cheese up until now. So um, both of us trying to... Um, really show people that fresh goat cheese can be exciting and innovative. But I think Sue made a really good point about, you know, you don't want to just copy another cheese. You really want to create something that reflects something special about your region or your milk. And Sue, your new cheese is going to be called what? Hopalong, did you say? Hopalong. <laughs> it's got a nice western ring to it. Yeah. Cowgirl. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Where are we going to see this cheese, and when? You are going to see it in, in the next month or so in our stores and stores that are part of the Good Food Collaborative, which is a uh, organization that is trying to put healthier um, food into the marketplace that has you know the integrity of good farming and um, ecological ethics. So um, you should look online at the Good Food Collaborative. And those stores are throughout the country, but we have some here in our area, Byright and uh, Pasta Shop and, um, of course, Cowgirl Creamery. Of course. (laughs) Of course. So let me ask you this. each of you are uh, your pioneers in this uh, artisanal cheese world. Uh, is it unusual uh, to see women playing such a prominent role in this industry? And, and have you uh, overcome challenges related to being a woman? I would say particularly in goat cheese, um, there are more women than men. Um, and I think that's because goats are called the poor man's cow so they're easily handled and they're they're a little bratty (laughs) sort of um and 
for me, that, that makes them more fun and challenging. But in general, just being in the business world, it was the only place that there's a shorter line for the women, for the bathrooms <laughs> in business. It seems that it's certainly, um, in general, a men's world. And I don't think it makes it more difficult, but it it's a different set of challenges. We found challenges, especially in... Uh lending, you know, yes. access to capital or equity. Um, and that's, that's getting a little better, but it's, it was in, it's been incredibly difficult. And not just being a woman, but also farming in general, I think is very, and goat farming is very difficult. Yeah. You know, we're on the fringes three times with women farming and then goats. Mm-hmm. What's next for each of you? you? You've been wildly successful to this point. Where are you going with your businesses? Mary is my model. <laughs> Mary is my idol. You know, Mary is uh, mostly retired, and uh, next year I'm going to cut back on my responsibilities. And then maybe I can help you more. <laughs> I think both of done. us, yeah, are getting to that age where – you know the businesses are are doing very well. I've spent a lot more time. I just finished a Humboldt Area Foundation board meeting. I'm really active on the board there and doing um, work in my community as well as just stirring the pot now and then at Cypress Grove. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the um, California Cheese Guild. I'm a board member and also Ace Foundation, which is to educate cheesemakers on making better cheese. So, you know, we're both in it, but maybe not yeah. in the business sense so much anymore. All right. And you have not regarded each other as rivals, right? More as uh, friends and, and fellow mentors in this uh, world of cheese. How, how did you come to uh, approach it that way? I, I think that's a tone that was set by the American Cheese Society early on because the it was started at uh, Cornell University by one professor and his graduate students with the goal of teaching Americans or teaching each other to make better cheese. And that spirit continues nationally and locally for us. Do you agree, Mary? No, I really agree because um, when we all started, none of us, you know, we were, I was making cheese literally in my kitchen at the very beginning and so there wasn't any sense of um, competition. It was more, oh, can I call my friend and find out <laughs> what's happening when this this problem exists? And it's continued, even though the businesses have gotten a little bit larger. You know, we're all shipping cheese all around the country now. But um, I wouldn't hesitate to call any of my cheesemaker friends for advice or help. What are your thoughts about where where the uh, the local food movement is heading? It seems to have energy in the younger generation, an energy that is very similar to the 1970s when Mary and I were both inspired by Mary the Back to the Land and for me just, you know, how do you make better food and healthier food. And so I, I feel like it's got a lot of 
energy and a lot of legs. I agree. I've got four daughters and um, six grandkids, and they're all involved in some way just in their own lives of with healthy food and more of the natural uh, lifestyle, you know, like I made soap with my granddaughter with goat milk the other day. And there's so many things you can teach kids now about taking care of the environment and how it relates personally to them through their food. All right. Well, here's where I need your help. The two of you have helped to put the north coast of California on the world food map with the artisanal cheeses. I have colleagues in Wisconsin and Vermont who think they have the best cheese. What do I say to them? Well, in the spirit of not being super competitive, (laughs) (laughs) we all make great cheese. (laughs) We do, but they, Wisconsin and California seem in, in the on the government level, seem to brag about how much cheese they make. Like, does Wisconsin make the most or does California make the most? And so we would like them to just talk about how good it is, Mm -hmm. the individual cheeses, and not how much it is. And the importance of of the land that's occupied by farms, the importance that plays in the community because it gives us the open space we all need um, so I think nowadays we want more, let's stick together and try and do everything a little bit better. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, it really does take political will because Wisconsin and Vermont both had senators that funded, um, in Wisconsin, a <laughs> dairy innovation center. And in Vermont, Leahy got money for a artisan cheese University, basically, and both of those um, efforts helped all cheesemakers in the United States, but specific to those states. And uh, so, yeah, we'd love to have something like that. He got an artisanal cheese university. Wow. I got to get to work. I I haven't created one of those yet. (laughs) (laughs) He's slacker. All right, well, I I will work on that. So the two of you have fans all over this country that love your cheeses. Uh, What do you want to make sure that uh, the listeners to this podcast know about your creameries and the work that you do? Are there any misconceptions about cheese or the cheese industry that you want to take this time to correct? Or what's your message to your your, uh, cheese following out there? Well, I think that, you know, one of the criticisms we get is that our cheese is too expensive and I just want consumers to understand that we we don't squabble about price with our dairies because our dairies are very in a very delicate situation of uh, trying to stay in business and fighting you know climate change and all the things that they're hit with. So I, I just want people to understand that we're paying top dollar to the dairies, good wages for good career jobs, and uh, that's why artisanal cheese costs a little more. I would really, really echo that. We, um, we found that goat milk is, is, we're paying about four times what the standard rate is for cow's milk, and goats are, are particularly difficult because we don't have that center of excellence. In the U.S., we're really a cow 
community. So we actually started our own dairy to try to prove that a farmer could make it. And, and even with all our resources, we're having a difficult time because um, milk is 80% of your cost of goods. And if you're paying 4.50 a gallon for milk, which is about shelf price for cow's milk, it's it's really tough for a farmer. And there's a lot that goes into making quality milk in a real way where the farms are paid a living wage and you have benefits for your employees and that those costs aren't being passed on to someone else. Well, I want to thank you both for setting such a high standard uh, in that way. I think it's an important point that you make and and thanks, too, for your uh, your leadership. You've been great advisors to me when I've sought input on how we can try to make a good farm bill instead of this terrible farm bill that passed out of the House this year. And you continue to be inspirations for entrepreneurs and innovators and women and cheesemakers and fans around the country and around the world. So thank you so much for your leadership and for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah, and thanks for all you do for all all of California and the country, really. You are really shining in the Supreme Court hearings. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we were all pulling our hair out. I know. <laughs> well, thank you both, and we'll look for uh, we'll look for Hopalong cheese coming to a store near you soon. Thanks again. Okay. Take Alrighty. care. Thank you. Off the Cuff is produced by Marin's own Tales Untold Media. Our music is also local, provided by Temp Love. Don't miss out on future episodes of Off the Cuff. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Just search for Off the Cuff with Jared Huffman.